Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com/lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com/lhrbook. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, August 21st, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Once upon a time in Atlanta, Georgia, way down there, the NBA released the upcoming schedule, bestowing it upon us, what was it, two Fridays ago now, was going to do it last week, but as we said here on this space, we had to accommodate everyone's vacation schedule. It is still August after all, biggest getaway month on the calendar. So we shuffled the deck a little bit. As many listeners know, our off-season review show aired last week with Boston Celtics Director of Player Personnel, Austin Ainge, episode number 170 on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile app. And this week, we will get around to breaking down the Celtics' 2016-17 NBA schedule on this edition of Celtics Beat. Today's show will feature Kristen Ledlow of NBA TV and Turner Sports, the all-everything for the man. Actually, Kristen hosted NBA TV's live coverage of the release of the schedule. How about the Boston Celtics being featured on national television 22 times? We will shoot the breeze a bit on that, and whatever comes to mind... Coming up on episode number 171 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Blue Apron and American Famous Network. Dot com Labor Day countdown now two weeks away. Labor Day, then Halloween, then Thanksgiving, then cold, then snow. So grilling season. We are probably in the 13th fairway right now, guys. It is chugging along at a rapid pace. So head on over to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, sort through their incredible selection of grass-fed steaks, pasture-raised pork chops, and take advantage of one of America's great summer traditions, courtesy of America's leading organic meat brand, American Farmers Network. Tell you, in the coming weeks here, as we now begin inching closer to the season, closer to camp, which is a hair under six weeks away, we got everything mapped out. Going to be doing some previews of Celtics rivals, not the whole conference, their competition in the conference, whom I consider to be their competition. So that'll take up a predominant portion of September. So consider today's show a bit of a transition to the new year. Turn the page. It is now 2016-17. We can look ahead and not too far ahead, not to the 2017 draft, summer of 2018 and all that, you know, trade possibilities, draft prospects, although sure enough, that is going to come right to the forefront in game one with the Nets in town on opening night. Would be nice this year if Boston does a little better than that 2-2 two and two in the season series as they did so with Brooklyn last year. Did not hurt the Celts from a draft pick standpoint, although it did hurt them in the standings. Could have been the three seed with just one more win there. But while Chris Forsberg was here a few weeks ago, begging not for some Atlantic Division squad, you'll see enough, be it Toronto or Philadelphia. But just like the Sixers last year, puts the Celts in the win column right away. And just like last year as well, going to be tough to get off to some hot start having to play a nationally televised game against Chicago the next night. The burden of being good, the burden of 22 games on TNT and ESPN. Speaking of the back-to-backs... Did see ESPN.com's Bradford Doolittle release a piece on ESPN Insider some eight, nine days ago now, breaking it down, Break it down. by the percentage point. 
Boston with the easiest schedule in the league. That is measuring everything from the overall strength of the schedule to having a rest advantage over teams, which, as we know, the last few years under Coach Brad Stevens has not meant as much. Real quick, last year, Boston was 12-7 and on back-to-backs, 28-21 and on one day of rest, and just 9-10 and with two or more days of rest, even in 2015 as well, 13-5 and on back-to-backs, and 5-9 and with two-plus more days of rest. Bizarre. Huh? But from a raw, hard data outlook, the Celtics just 17 back-to-backs, more than a third of them. The home game is the back end, which is rare for the Celts. I mean, how many times over the years Boston had to play in a, a Saturday night like Milwaukee, but, but a lot of home back-to-backs. So less of those Saturday night snoozers that we were accustomed to for so many years. More stuff like playing in Cleveland on a Thursday TNT game and then back home for a Friday night against the Heat right before the new year. Yay on that. The computer analysis spit out advantage Boston. But the big factor here, and I talked about this last year for our scheduled breakdown show with Kyle Draper, episode number 118. Brought it up with Kyle 12 months ago. The late West Coast road trip that extended for the 2016 Celts into April. We would figure that it was going to be a huge problem. No question last year it was. Totally ran out of gas in the playoffs. Players were dropping like flies at the end of the year. Everyone that was around that team said that that West Coast road trip said that exactly to be the case. And Mike Gorman, he's the Celtics play-by-play announcer in case you happen to be living under a rock came on this podcast and said that he expected ownership to actually make that road trip that ended on April 3rd, I believe, in Los Angeles to be an issue. Usually the Celts have gone out west right after Christmas, let Disney on ice, some concerts, and all the other shows come on in here, and then another long western trip right after the All-Star break. This year, not as late, but two west trips in the final third of the season. So here is where it gets a little interesting. Super Bowl Sunday, right after that, ensues a very travel-heavy, excuse me, a very travel-heavy Western Conference swing right before the All-Star Game, instead of right after in years past, as we talked about. But right after Super Bowl Sunday, at Sacto, at Portland on a back-to-back, then at Utah, and then at Dallas. Very strange. Usually the Celts are accustomed to more of a Southwest swing, or even the Texas Triangle, which we've seen less of. Remember that famed 2008 Texas Triangle sweep. But out west, all over the map, then the Celtics come home for one game against Philly. Yeah, look at this. One game against Philly, and that one game is sandwiched with a road game right before the All-Star game. Bulls the next night on TNT. Then the All-Star break, so more players flying around, either going back home to the All-Star game or wherever they may spend their All-Star weekend. They resume going back on the road in Toronto and in Detroit, return home for two very tough home games against the Hawks and Cavs, Then back all the way out west again for another West Coast swing in L.A. Phoenix back in L.A. for the Clips on a back-to-back. Up I-5 to face the Warriors. Then to another time zone against the Nuggets on a Friday night. Then all the way back to Boston for a Sunday afternoon against Chicago. A Sunday afternoon tip after a long West Coast trip, which technically ends early Saturday morning. A recipe to come out with nothing. That's on March 12th. So from Wednesday, February 8th to Sunday, March 12th, the Celtics do not have one homestand, not one, just a two-game set against the Hawks and Cavs, two Western Conference trips in every time zone imaginable, 16 games in 32 days. I didn't do the math in terms of miles traveled, but it's roughly about a quadrillion miles, roughly. That is something that the staff, the medical staff, strength and conditioning and coaching, yes, got to keep a gauge on these players' condition after all this travel. That is an excruciating amount of wear and tear and can easily lead to injuries and injuries and inopportune times, i.e. Avery Bradley's hamstring just giving out against the Hawks in the playoffs. So as much as we want to see the team win as many games as possible, God forbid, 55-plus, there has to be a keen eye like the Spurs masterfully do on the physical well-being of the players. Easier said than done. Much easier said than done because we didn't see that last year when I did not feel this team managed a guy like Drake Crowder well enough down the stretch and how the 2016 Celtics peaked before the playoffs and really ran out of gas. So while according to Bradford Doolittle, as well as math, the Celtics do have the easiest schedule, there will be challenges in managing it, particularly that February 8th to March 12th stretch of two West Coast trips, another road trip, then the All-Star, the All-Star game, zero home stands. But that's the only qualm. Uh, that and, come on, four afternoon home games and only one at one o'clock day after Thanksgiving against the Spurs. I mean, come on, really? Really? But that is on my personal end, though. But the biggest takeaway, of course, 
The Boston Celtics with 22 nationally televised games spread over TNT, ESPN, and even ABC. So I'll save that for our guests. So let's roll the red carpet out. Featured guest segment time, Kristen Ledlow of NBA TV, sideline reporter for the NBA on TNT, and host of Inside Stuff alongside Grant Hill. And our interview with Kristen is brought to you by Blue Apron. Delivery is right to your doorstep. Fresh, high-quality ingredients, organic vegetables, fats, and meat in the cleanest of states, which taste better and are better for you as Blue Apron believes that is imperative for you to know where your food comes from. It is also already pre-portioned, and they give you easy-to-follow instructions so you can cook with your family and friends, and it's all for less than $10 per meal, and the bargain gets even better. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticspeed. You'll get your first three meals free with free shipping. There's almost no risk here, and you will so greatly help our operation. So again, blueapron.com slash Celticspeed for three free meals and free shipping on your first order. Okay, Kristen, throwing it over to you. Thank you so much for stopping by CLNS Radio, RA Raves, once again. I've been bumping my gums thus far about the Celtics 2017 schedule, but I got to ask you personally a question that I ask of no one here. And there's a method to my madness, so hold on, and I'll tell you why after you answer it. But how's your summer going? <laughs> thank you, and thank you for having me. Um, you know, that brief reminder you just gave me that summer is coming to an end uh got me in a really bad place so hopefully this will go just fine (laughs) the reason why i was asking that is because i i was figuring i was going to get the standard oh it's going unbelievably awesome even though you're down in atlanta you must be getting smothered because we're getting roasted up here at 95 degrees every single day but i was interested because i'd figure i'd sort of get that standard response but i didn't because i knew it got off such a great start on that june night in oakland oh yeah I mean, we need yes, stories there. To go we from, need stories there. Yeah, to, to go from a game seven of the NBA finals straight to the NBA draft, straight to a hectic free agency season, then right after that to the NBA Summer League, and then we had the U.S. exhibition trials for both the men and women. Team USA it hasn't even felt necessarily like an off season, uh, but summer has existed. And I believe by the time people are listening to me speaking these words right now, I will actually be on summer vacation. So I will be able to give you a better answer than that kind of typical, oh, it's been great. It's been awesome. Answer right after that. <laughs> I was hoping for some fun inside stories on that little Game 7 locker room experience that you had. Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, so I was covering the Cavaliers uh, for NBA TV, and we had David Aldridge covering the Warrior side of things. So both he and I Thank were God. kind of briefed prior, yeah, <laughs> prior to Game 7 uh, that, you know, depending on how the game went, we would both be in the locker rooms post-game to get player interviews and then whoever had the coach of the winning team would sit down right afterward well as soon as the Cavaliers won that game in those final couple of minutes it was crazy because it was such an emotional moment and I was sitting there actually next to Isaiah Thomas who was the only one in our network that said that the Cavaliers were going to win it and um and I got tears in my eyes because he looks at me and he says I can't believe they just did that. But my makeup artist taps me on the shoulder, and she's like, don't cry. We just put on fresh makeup. Well, as soon as I walk into the locker room, I am doused from head to toe in champagne. So the the whole fresh hair and makeup thing uh, would not have mattered anyway. And then I did sit down with uh, Coach Ty Lu about an hour later um, with hair that had been become completely stiff from being champagne-soaked and a T-shirt that was then flipped inside out so that it looked – a bit more or less professional, uh, but that was me, champagne soaked, in that sit down with Ty Lu just hours after the uh, the celebration and everything. I mean, it was one of those moments where it was one of the coolest things I'd ever experienced, just uh, witnessed. No pun intended there in person, but also to get to actually be part of it and be in that locker room and be covered in champagne. I. I'm sitting in my living room right now, and I actually have the shoes, the red heels that were ruined by that champagne, uh, actually sitting up in my bookstore now. Yeah, in my my little book. uh, I actually have – this is – I shouldn't be saying this on air, but I'm going to. I actually have the pants I wore the night the Celtics won the championship back in 2008, framed directly above the studio in which we are shooting this. And I also – I had to get that story out of you, even though I didn't want this to totally hijack the show, which was because there's always our little NBA schedule, little special edition type show that we had to delay one week to get Austin Ainge in here this past week. But once again, before we get to the schedule, you did some phenomenal sideline reporting for TNT last year, especially during the NBA playoffs, particularly in a first round series against Atlanta and Boston. I love, I love that one, of course. Um, but real quickly, what are you going to be doing for TNT and NBA TV this fall? 
Thank you. I appreciate that. First and foremost, that was a really fun series to get to cover, uh, not just because I live in Atlanta and got to sleep in my bed for half of it instead of being on the road the entire time. But um, I guess this is the first time I've kind of said this publicly, but I am back with uh, Turner Sports, not just this fall, but the one after that and the one after that. Um, and I'm going to be uh, doing the same thing again, sidelines on TNT and Grant and I will be hosting inside stuff on NBA TV again. Um, so hopefully I'll get up to Boston and get a chance to hang out with you guys again soon. Hopefully in the spring, though, in the spring. Of course, yes, we're, we're definitely we're definitely going to see you here over the course of the year. They have 22 nationally televised games, and that's a storyline in itself, and I definitely want to get into that a little later in the interview. But there's no better way to start it off of getting it back on topic of the original point of why I brought you here. The NBA schedule was released about almost two weeks ago. Actually, yeah, a little, almost two weeks ago now from this air date. And uh, easiest way to start this thing off, which games are you most looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, that's tough to, uh, I think, even kind of pinpoint it. We did that NBA schedule release show just you last week. You've got to pimp out the TNT games. Right. Yeah, of course. All of the TNT games, first and foremost. Uh, we've got a lot of games on NBA TV this season as well, which I'm psyched about. But, um, I mean, I think that opening night matchup between the Knicks and Cavs is going to be a fun and really unique kind of experience for the city of Cleveland again because it was the same matchup just two seasons ago when Cleveland was celebrating the return of LeBron James. And, and now they they're celebrating a world championship you know so like to see what has happened in that amount of time is it's just been an incredible story to follow but now you've got the uh quote unquote super team of the new york knicks uh you know now they're going to be at the queue and that'll be fun i think on that opening night um to see and then you've got of course western conference powers going that's a doubleheader on tnt as well uh warriors and spurs tipping things off right after them but psyched about the christmas day matchups um really excited and also kind of surprised to see that young minnesota team getting a little piece of that Christmas Day slate. Um, but excited to see, you know, how they're able to step up on, on such a huge, um, you know, uh, such a huge platform. Same thing with, you know, Cavs and Warriors Christmas Day. And then February 11th, I'm psyched to see too, simply because that'll be the first time we see Kevin Durant return to Oklahoma City. And I want to see how they respond to him. Is it going to be met with booze? Is it going to be met with cheers? Or not getting a standing ovation, I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, right. Well, you would think, right? But it might be a little too soon. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But those are just some of the ones that kind of stand out to me early on it's funny when that schedule came out this is sort of a storyline in itself i feel like that the schedule coming out should almost the nba is so good at marketing and i almost feel like the nba schedule being released particularly at the time that it is released in early august when there's really nothing going on in the nba or the basketball world except for this year with the olympics going on of course but i don't want to say that even the most casual fan cares about that for whatever reason i almost feel like that the schedule being released should be a holiday and i feel like the marketing machine of the nba sort of lets that go if i recall wasn't it like dumped on a Friday afternoon at like 5.30 on the East Coast or whatever? You know, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, it was a Thursday afternoon, okay. right around later 5. The, yeah, later in the week. Yeah, later in the weekend, huh? Yeah, it was a... Because, and I know this because I was hosting our live coverage at 545, and for those first couple of minutes until the NBA actually released the schedule, we weren't allowed to mention the schedule. So it was you know, kind of vamping about LeBron's new contract, so we were waiting until those final few minutes. But yes, it was released right around 548 or 9 on a Thursday afternoon in August. I don't know why they do that. I really don't know. I, I, I feel, the NFL, I think, the last few years has uh, made the schedule release sort of a big day. There's that. And then I think there's also Christmas Day because you ran through the Christmas Day slate on me. Five games. Sell me on five games. You work for the man. You mean just like sitting down and actually watching exactly. a five-game slate? 12 to 12. Day? That's go. That's twelve to twelve, right? Or even later. That's fair. But I mean, are, are you a football fan? Because I know first, I sit down every single Saturday and watch from about nine a.m. until about oh, one a.m. College football. And I, and I so. hear that little southern, that slight southern right. accent when you went nine a.m. and I was like, geez, I wonder why. I wonder right. what, what, yeah. well, what the SEC territory from you're from. I am from Tallahassee, and my parents, uh, my father, hails from Tuscaloosa, so we've got a lot of college football running deep in our blood. But I think Christmas Day, though, has become a staple for the NBA, and for me, it's exciting to watch. It's the first kind of major platform that the NBA is able to take in the season. You know, we, we've had you know the NFL all year long, and then you know college football also competes with some Saturday slates. But Christmas Day is kind of the first time all season that it's like the NBA takes kind of front and center. Uh, and this year, there's a lot of exciting storylines to follow. For the second time now, we've actually got an NBA Finals rematch between the Cavs and Warriors. But it's a lot more exciting because now they're split 
one-to-one, and this is the first time they'll see each other again since the Cavs took their back-to-back championship from the, the greatest regular season team to ever take the floor on their home floor. You know, So I, I think there are a lot of exciting storylines to follow, and I don't know. I, I guess it's tough for me to sell it because it's not tough to sell me on it. I know I'll be sitting there watching them all day long. It's funny because I think 10 years ago, I used when I was a little more of a you know, just I'm okay parking myself on the couch and watching it right down the line. I used to always kind of bitch moan and complain and have all the cat calls for a night game for Thanksgiving football. You said, we got to have a night game. I can't watch the Cowboys and the Lions every single year. And it didn't take not even one year to say, wow, I think three football games is too much. Going back to sort of Christmas Day, I, if I recall, this began during the strike year if or the lockout year they threw five games right out on a christmas day after i like it went if they jumped it from two to five like bang all of a sudden there was five christmas day games right yeah and well and, and that was you know because it was the start that was the, that marked the start of the season and i actually personally that, loved that, that and i know there's good. a lot of reasons no, why we good. don't tip off yeah but i i loved that i i know that like i said there's a lot of reasons we don't tip off on christmas day in the nba but i lo- it was kind of like that that anxiety that anticipation all fall long and then all of a sudden bang you got you know 10 teams matched up on christmas day and i felt like there was a lot of momentum heading into that season but they've kept it up, um, and I think because of the way that they've done the matchups each year, and because of the matchup that they kind of put in that that center slate, uh, you know, during the middle Five of the o'clock. day, middle of the afternoon, right, and then also, you know, the, the prime time kind of evening matchup. Um, I mean, a lot of eyes are on the NBA on Christmas Day, and I love that they've kind of carved that out as as you know, kind of their their prime time, the very first kind of prime time, uh, you know, moment of the season. Yeah, five o'clock. That means everybody can watch. Even me, I go to bed very early, but even I can tune into the five o'clock game. Yeah. <laughs> if it was up to me, there'd be far more afternoon games. I think that's the first thing I looked at for the Celtics schedule was how many Sunday afternoon games they have. It's part of me, part of my reasons why I thoroughly enjoy March so much. If it's going to be you're talking about a TV month, I love March because it seems like there's so much on television on March. At least in my hours in which I'm awake and I can actually watch live sports, I'll either have golf or right. the, or I'll have the NBA. Um, um, it's, wouldn't it be? I think the coolest thing would be AM tips to accommodate the worldwide audience, and of course me. But I got to get really into the centerpiece. You talk about the centerpiece on the NBA slate. Centerpiece of this discussion, centerpiece of this show is the Celtics. I think the big storyline regarding this, or regarding the NBA schedule being released with the Celtics, is it sort of jumped right out at me. Now I know it's a little different than ten years ago when there were a little less opportunities for nationally televised slots. Jumped right out at me, the Celtics getting 22 nationally televised games. I'll throw it back to you. What in the world do you make of that? Right. Well, you know, I I mean, if you look at off-season moves and off-season acquisitions, the Celtics are going to be one of the best two or three teams in the Eastern Conference. You know, of course, barring injury and if all goes according to plan. But I'm excited that I got a chance actually to talk with you prior to the season and right after the acquisition of Al Horford because I wanted a chance to get to talk to Celtics fans about him because I've spent so many years in Atlanta and getting a chance to spend a lot of time with him and to cover him. Plenty of Celtics fans down there, just so you know. Yeah, that's true. Right. There are plenty. Yes, I have noticed at every Celtics game uh, here at Phillips Arena, it is full of green. Um, and we noticed the same thing during that Hawks Celtics series this spring. But, um, you know, the addition of Al Horford, I think, is going to be more monumental than I think people have actually placed on it. Like the, the one of the things that we've talked a lot about with the Celtics is they've got this young core. They've got now an all-star point guard in Isaiah Thomas. They've got a young, smart coach in Brad Stevens who's able to kind of take the reins and lead them into the, uh, the the next stage of this franchise. And we've talked a lot about these picks and, you know, what's going to happen in these next couple of seasons. But one of the things that that 2008-ish team boasted was the veteran leadership and you had championship experience there. And so in 2008, you had guys like Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce kind of leading the way within that locker room. And that's one of the things that I think has been missing from the Celtics franchise in the seasons past, even though these guys have, I think, greatly um, overachieved from expectations placed on them in the last two or three seasons, but Al Horford is adding that. He's not necessarily adding yet a championship pedigree, but he is going to add that veteran leadership that I think is going to be more important than anybody is is really able to put into words right now, simply because I've been around him. The presence that he brings, not just to the locker room, but to the floor as well, the the, the calming nature of who he is, um, the leadership that that makes everybody better around him. I think he's going to be a great extension of Brad Stevens to some of that younger talent. And between him and Isaiah Thomas, I think once you get those two guys in a rhythm uh, there in the Eastern Conference, I, I mean, you're looking at just a couple of teams that could potentially be better. 
Okay, Kristen, hold on. I actually got to cut to a break real quick, even though you're rolling a bit. Hold the thoughts there. I do want to talk more about Horford, especially with your familiarity with him. So hold the thoughts. Everyone as well, stay with us. We'll be back with NBA TV's Kristen Ledlow on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Welcome back to Celtics Beat. Larry A. Trussell here with Kristen Ledlow. Kristen will pick up right where we left off. Some strong words regarding the Celtics and their chances next year. Haven't heard anything but praise across the spectrum from anyone regarding Boston signing up Horford. And we got a show coming up with a guest who's around the Hawks daily, so we'll certainly make Horford a theme of that upcoming show and don't want to steal that gentleman's thunder. But we have you here, and you have as much insight on Al as anyone. So I'll ask you now, is there anything bad you can say about that acquisition? Like, oh my God, he's not the best rebounder for his size, and his rebounding has gone down recently. Oh my God, he's north of 30. Is there any chance you can play the role of fatalistic Bostonian here? <laughs> I love the way you phrase that. And by the way, if your Hawks guest is Dominique Wilkins, tell him I said, what's up? That's my boy. Um, but as far as Al Horford goes, um, no, I don't imagine any potential drawback besides maybe the fact that the Hawks have not had the opportunity to go to the NBA Finals to experience any sort of – he's not bringing championship pedigree uh, to the Celtics system, which is something that this franchise has come to uh, to know and love and expect. And I understand that, absolutely. Absolutely. But as far as who he is, um, the knowledge of the game that he's bringing to the floor and the leadership that he's bringing into that very young locker room, um, I cannot, uh, I, I mean, as, as, as I am racking my brain here in the years I have spent working alongside Al Horford, cannot think of any real drawback to having him on your team. Dare I ask this question of you, and I'll sort of put this really put you on the spot. I mean, it's, it's, you can talk about veteran leadership in one respect, and you can usually only go by the words of people who are around them in that instance. And you, of course, being in Atlanta, covering a lot of Hawks games, working for Turner Sports, we have those stories. But are there any specific examples or specific stories you have with Al that just sort of like jumps out at you that sort of goes in everything what you've just said about him? Um, You know – you, you mentioned that, but it's not, there's nothing that specifically stands out to me other than just watching him day in and day out. I've, I've covered this team now. Even before I was with uh, Turner Sports, I was working for a local radio station here at CBS Sports Radio, and we covered all of the Hawks games. And he came in and was on our radio show a handful of times. And, uh, I mean, he it's just the presence of who he is. He's he's typically the first one in the gym, and he's the last one out. And that's a cliche that we use so often, but, but that it makes a huge difference. It really does. Matters in the whole workplace. It, it absolutely does. Um, and you know what's funny is right now as I'm trying to think of the last, I guess I've been here four seasons, um, there's not necessarily an example that stands out to me that it, that just is is hugely more important or monumental than the others. It's simply uh, the, the very obvious leadership that he brings to the floor is that when he's out there, like everyone else is looking at what it is that he's doing. Everyone else is listening to what it is that he's saying. And he's one of those guys that when he speaks, his words matter. Um, he's not just he's not necessarily the kind of vocal leader that's just going to be talking and talking and motivating and motivating. He saves his words for when they're necessary and and 
thus when he speaks, people are paying attention. And so I've had a chance to witness that firsthand. And like I said, maybe the fact that nothing specific is jumping out to me uh, speaks to kind of the nature of who he is. He's just an everyday, day in, day out, shows up and does his work excellently and inspires others to do the same. Real quick, though, here on this, you've been down in Atlanta, yay or nay on Atlanta, effectively now, I mean, that wasn't their original game plan, but they effectively replaced him with Dwight Howard, so yay or nay on that on the Hawks' end? Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Dwight back in Atlanta simply because I think he's coming in here with uh, a comeback mentality. You know, this is a guy now that's going to get a chance to play on what could be considered his home floor in front of his family, in front of his close friends. Um, and this is a guy that's now looking at uh, legacy, not just looking at what it matters, you know, what, what matters about, you know, season by season. This is a guy that's looking at kind of solidifying a legacy. This is a, a potential, you know, Hall of Fame basketball player and where he wants to be. And, and he chose to be here. Um, and I think that that's a special thing. I think that he's going to sell jerseys. He's going to put butts in seats that, you know, all of that kind of goes without saying because he's a, he is a superstar product, but the, who he is um, and the comeback mentality that he's taken on, I think is going to be special in Atlanta. Kristen Ledlow of NBA TV and Turner Sports. You can follow Kristen on Twitter at her name, say Kristen Ledlow. Kristen, best question of all to get you out of here. We will, we see you in Boston this spring. I hope so, uh, because my favorite piece of the entire last season was done in Boston. And I don't know if you saw it, but the if you didn't, the tea party? Go to, uh, that's the one. Oh. <laughs> that was my favorite day of this entire season, and it's not even close. If you guys haven't seen it, NBA.com slash Inside Stuff. It was an idea that our producer, Underdog, who is Joe Underhill, who is NBA on TNT's Underdog, put that on a T-shirt. He came up with it one afternoon at NBA TV. And he asked me, would you be okay with going to the Boston Tea Party Museum, dressing in colonial garb and filming a segment for Inside Stuff? Short answer, yes. We went, It was one of the most fun days that I have had ever. Uh, and, and hopefully I'll be back simply for that purpose. But yeah, I mean, for Celtics purposes, of course. Yes, I will hopefully see you guys soon. <laughs> Not much to do here during the winter months, I'm sure, as you would know. But of course, May and June. And sorry to kind of dance around your will you be in Boston uh, question. We don't get those assignments until, I mean, we're like two weeks. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that Really, the Boston question was yeah. a was a right. NBA prediction question about the playoffs. Yes. That was a oh yes. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No question about that. I think there'll be two or three in the Eastern Conference this season. It's May and June. Very very exciting around here. It's going to allow you to, of course, double up, cover the NBA for TNT, doing some sideline work for hopefully Celtics playoff games, and of course, doubling up for a Sunday edition of NBA Inside Stuff, which will be back on NBA TV at the start of the season with Kristen Ledlow and Grant Hill. Kristen, thanks so much for doing this once again with us. Of course. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Again, Kristen Ledlow, brought to you courtesy of The Man, our good friends down there at Turner Sports. I tell you, it's been a thrill the last year, year and a half-ish now, having the most credible people in the national media come in here and actually want to talk Boston Celtics. A few years ago, that was not the case. I tell you, and I've, I've said this a few times on the CLNS Radio Airwaves, and I can throw this out there because we laugh about it still, but this broadcast, Celtics Beat, just about five years it's been on the air now, Brent Barry has been one of the most crucial reasons for this show's success. All that he's done for me personally, this show being essential for our credibility. Three years ago, Bones, he'd come on, but he'd tell me on the side off air. I mean, he's like, dude, I'm just not talking Celtics. I mean, they suck. And we actually go back and we laugh about it, but it held true. Bad NBA basketball is tough to watch, and it's even tougher to talk about it. Most people, they don't consider it one ounce of breath for their time. So many guests, the national folks. I remember we had guys from the AP on, and it was, oh, man, do we have to talk Celtics? Back then, I mean, we remember doing shows here in 2013, 2014. Only Jeff Goodman would talk about the current state of affairs of the team at the time. Now we get them all in here, and we can go all Celtics all the time. Just a few minutes ago with Miss Ledlow, I shifted gears towards the 2017 Boston Celtics, towards Al Horford, and I'd love to say Kristen's eyes lit up, but none of you guys saw her, but we do know that her vocal cords did. She was ecstatic to be given a platform to talk to Celtics Nation, even though she does live down there in Atlanta, as I stated. Just got to go to a Hawk Celtics games. Plenty of Boston fans there, haha. But happy to have that Celtics megaphone. And why does this matter? Because the Boston Celtics are relevant in the NBA landscape. And can we all let that set in for a moment? Can we not take that for granted? 
let alone Kristen, I, me, LHR, I want to discuss this. As stated, this is sort of our transition episode to the new NBA calendar, so there's no better time for this than right now. On last week's show, I kind of made the point that the Celtics this coming season actually register some percentage points on the scale. Even even Matt Keller of the Lead Sports, whom I chatted with, gave them four full percentage points of winning the NBA title in 2017. 4%! So you're telling me there's a chance. And it wasn't so much of how you look at that on face value, but what that actually means. The fact that hey, the Celtics are one of the 7 to 10 best teams in the NBA, and if a few absolutely crazy things happen, or a, a lot of crazy things happen, the planets, the stars, the moons, and the sun all align, then they actually faintly could win the title next year, and now I and, and many others would be willing to bet just about everything I own that that's not going to happen, but that shrivel of a possibility is still there, and that is better than 20 other NBA teams, better than 20 other NBA fan bases who are relegated to going to games to go watch other teams and other players. And this Celtics team, as many of you know, did not sacrifice an ounce of their future, an ounce of their long-term flexibility. In fact, it's the complete opposite, as we all know, as Austin Ainge said on last week's show. It's the polar opposite of the Scott Laden Knicks of the late 1990s, early 2000s, when they didn't care. They traded every draft pick for quick-fix talents, stacked the salary books with vastly overpriced veterans, all for teams that had Eastern Conference Finals ceilings. And then they eventually paid the piper, and one can make the argument that they've never recovered from that. But these Celtics, more long-term flexibility than they know what to deal with, even going to the point where Mr. Range said point-blank on this podcast that the draft this year was about more about maintaining as much flexibility as possible than it was taking the best available player. And the current 2016-17 roster, which will be a 50-55 to win team barring catastrophic injuries, that's actually to the beauty, the beauty of this year's team is that, and we saw this last year too with various injuries to Crowder, Bradley, Olenek, and Smart at different times, is that they can survive an injury or two here or there. The season will not implode unless their entire roster was ravaged. So they'll be in the top third, maybe even the top quarter of the league, and they'll do it legitimately. Defensively, they are going to be in the top three in the league. That can be taken for granted, but the question is, could they take it to another level? They've had this great perimeter defense the last few years, great on-ball defenders. They let Jay Crowder kind of roam around and make plays. But last year, they still struggled mightily against teams that had traditional big men. Nets at home right after Christmas. No answer for Brooke Lopez at Utah after the All-Star break. Those two games against Greg Monroe come to mind right off the bat. And they were league average 15th in the NBA in defending the pick and roll if measured by opposing points per possession, I believe. Don't have that one off the top of my head, but do remember Boston being more middle of the pack if one of our listeners wants to go ahead and correct me. But regardless, we know it wasn't awesome, their pick-and-roll defense. The Celts last year had some chinks in certain aspects of their defensive armor, despite it all. But add Al Horford. He solves both of that right off the bat. And he also has a ripple effect on the depth chart. Guys like Amir Johnson, your best pick-and-roll defender. Tyler Zeller, the only good post defender on the team, outside of, of course, now Horford. They can now be more situational for their roles of defending the pick-and-roll or providing interior defense in the post, respectively. And suddenly, Boston has the most versatile defense in the league, at least in my opinion. The ability to squelch any of the opposition's offensive attack. It's almost... Like having a great bullpen in baseball with so many guys having the capability of doing so many different things with various strengths and being able to put them in certain scenarios during the course of a game. That alone will actually cause some to even consider for a thought. Could Boston defend their way to a deep playoff run? So just enjoy it and enjoy that right now, regardless of if this team is competing for titles two, three, four, five years from now or not. I used the example this past week. Put or where the Celtics are now is sort of like where the Lakers were in the mid nineteen nineties with Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, and Cedric Sabalas and how Lakers fans, they of the same supposed championship or bus mindset that Celtics fans, I guess, have, they revered that team. They were not only good and entertaining, but it was the groundwork that that specific Lakers group 
That really drove the acquisitions of Shaq and Kobe. That's where Boston is now, and it's a good place, especially knowing that this organization has kept all of that flexibility. I tell you, I read an article on Coach Nick's B-Ball Breakdown website, and I see a, I see this piece saying, yeah, the Celtics may have Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas locked up to bargain basement contract for the foreseeable future, but they got to act quick. These guys will be free agents before you know it. Did the Celtics have to pay Isaiah Thomas the max, which could be $130 million in 2018? Is he worth it? It's like, I mean, can we get to 2018 first? Isaiah Thomas's impending free agency in 2018 is somewhere like 492nd on my own personal worry list. I mean, seriously, let's get there because for all we know, Western civilization may collapse by then. That's so far down the line. You don't even know how much is going to change within now and two and a half years from now and, and or two years from now. And look at it this way anyways. Look at it that Isaiah Thomas and these other guys are now grossly underpaid with a new salary cap, that they are now going to be playing their behinds off this year and next year because they can't let up if they want to get that payday many of their inferior peers got this summer. Therefore, the Boston Celtics organization would only reap the benefits on the court from Mr. Thomas and his motivation to prove that he one day warrants a mega deal. So ease up on constantly looking ahead of the future when they have a pretty good thing going right now, especially to those who are waiting for the next big trade, the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen summer part two, when that is very rare that that happens. And it's even more rare that that works out. It's like one of the only examples, except for the Miami heat. Look at the Knicks with Amari and Mello, the Clippers with, with Chris Paul. And there's other instances that we've already forgotten about because they've faded into obscurity. So if you really if you're of this championship or bust mindset, it would likely be more about the draft, utilizing these Nets picks, as that is where Boston's opportunities really are. I use the Lakers example of the mid nineteen nineties. Jerry West West in the early nineties almost never missed a draft pick. So Boston, going back to the Celtics, they have an even greater advantage in that they can bring Highly touted prospects into a great environment. I mean, obvious core, of course. Now they just need to hope they catch fire with a string of quality picks like the Warriors had at the beginning of the decade, like the Lakers had in the early 1990s. Because I think, as we're all aware of now, Ainge and Co. are in a bit of a funk with first round selections since the new decade. They've had 11 first round picks this decade, three in the lottery. And only two of those players, Marcus Smart and Kelly Olenek, can even qualify as current contributors. The rest pretty much were washouts. And I think worst of all is the Celtics actually couldn't even get a return on any of them. So the draft is likely where it is going to be. Adding to a team currently a tear away from being a true championship contender. That's, I think, where people need to really kind of focus on is this is a tear away from being a title contender. And the odds are just greater there if the team drafts quality talent over the course of time and lets them develop in an already good situation. It's more in the team's control of selecting the right player rather than hoping for the next great superstar to hit the trade market and then actually completing a deal for them and then hoping that said player fits in. That's just such a difference between now and 2007, too, is that this team is a tear away, whereas in 07, they were one of the five worst teams in the NBA, and they needed that giant makeover. That's why that Jalen Brown pick, who I am not excited about, is so imperative, and he's on this team right now, so save the Yanks as part of the future of the franchise rides on him and what he can do right now in the immediate future on this relevant Celtics team. Do not take being relevant in the NBA for granted. There's nothing worse than bad basketball, as I said. There's nothing worse than being an NBA purgatory. Nobody cares about it. Just like the national media never wanted to talk Celtics on this show or anywhere two years ago. And, of course, do we not recall, for those who are old enough, how miserable following this franchise was during the 1990s and early 2000s where the Boston Celtics, one of the crown jewel franchises in North American sports, were utterly meaningless? If you don't, plug. My book, Follow the Boston Celtics, www.clnsradio.com slash LHR book. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sullivan James Sullivan, and I'm the host of the Scorching Shamrocks, the greatest Celtics podcast on earth. 
You ever get sick of those nerds coming up to you trying to do stats and other numbers in your sports? Well, guess what, chummy? Here on the Scorching Shamrocks, the takes, they are hot, and the nerds, they are not. Join me and my co-host, Sam Sheehan, as I demolish, destroy, and otherwise rake over the coals, the stat nerd. You can find Scorching Shamrocks on Stitcher or iTunes by searching Scorching Shamrocks, or download the CLNS app in the App Store. That's Scorching Shamrocks, here on CLNS Radio. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Thank you, Justin. Yes, more Celtics talk per usual on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage for the Boston Celtics and your one-stop spot for all your podcasting needs. Celtics Stuff Live will be released tomorrow on clnsradio.com at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Justin Poulin and co-host John Duke have been conducting profiles of some of the most relevant members of the NBA basketball media. Recently released ones with Danny LaRue of Real GM Radio, Sean Grandy, of course, Celtics Radio play-by-play. Great one yesterday, little bonus episode from the CSL guys. Jeff Clark, yes, the Jeff Clark, Celtics blog CEO. We read a lot of Jeff, but we don't hear a lot from Jeff. And take my word for it, you'll want to in this instance tomorrow too there is a real treat and i don't want to give it away without their permission so wait until tomorrow or maybe monday am is already here for you by the time you've gotten around to listening to this very podcast but again new celtic stuff live monday 9 a.m eastern time on clnsradio.com and the clns radio mobile app also on the app, Coach Nick's B-Ball Breakdown podcast, running quite frequently and already getting ready for the season. This past week alone, a Southeast and a Pacific Division preview, now currently available for download. And the Bobcast, which drops every Friday, Celtics Blog's Bobby Manning takes you around the world of sports, pop culture, and entertainment. All CSL, B-Ball Breakdown, and the Bobcast, much, much more, such as Patriots coverage, in full gear, Patriots post-game show aired live following the Patriots' Week 2 preseason game against the Chicago Bears this past Thursday night. Available in the archives right now, this coming Friday night, 929-477-2386 if you want to call in live after their game on the 26th against the Carolina Panthers. That's the big Week 3 preseason game. Of course, that's the big game in the preseason So the NBA, the Patriots, the Red Sox, even the 2016 presidential election, it is all available on the CLNS Radio mobile app for free download for your iPhone and Android. Little TV programming, gold medal game, hard to believe we have not utilized a fraction of a second on discussing the Olympics But how can we when the Celtics are so good, huh? But anyways, Team USA in the Olympics men's gold medal game today in Rio at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. Also, later in the week, WNBA action resumes this Friday the 26th. Doubleheader on NBA TV starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. New York and San Antonio and Los Angeles will visit Seattle in the nightcap. So much basketball, my Goodness. Also, NBA TV has been airing many classic Celtics games for the month of August. A lot of games from the 80s. Some of Larry's best games did see that that deciding game against the Pacers from the 91 playoffs made its, its rounds on NBA TV programming. That is my favorite. I was not old enough for the 80s teams. In fact, the 91 campaign was my first year following the team. I hold that season so dearly to my heart. So likewise, that game. That one brings back a lot of memories for me personally, and I've probably watched that Larry Bird-Chuck Person battle north of a thousand times. I have no qualm, no no shame admitting it. Seriously, in full, I, I can pretty much recite every play and every one of Marv Albert's calls from that game, but that's been on NBA TV. They've been running the classics for the month of August Check cable listings or NBA.com to stay up to date on their TV schedule. And lastly, we did not forget our winners of the Blue Apron contest. Entry was simple. Just simply liking our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. We got an unbelievable response to this. We are now well over 1,000 likes on Facebook, which is awesome. Thank you to all those who have liked the page. Makes communicating with our audience that much easier for us to get everyone more involved. Tell us what you want. Say anything. Again, facebook.com slash Celticspeed. We've touched base with our winner, Dylan. Congratulations, Dylan. Enjoy those three free Blue Apron meals. 
Once again, too, I do suggest to our audience, go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat for three free meals and free shipping on your first order. It is a win, win, win in that you support the show, you get an awesome service, and you eat some really delicious food. Again, blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. Next giveaway, a Paul Pierce autographed photo of him hitting a 2006 game winner against the Denver Nuggets in Boston over Kenyon Martin, old rival in the Nets. So yes, a Paul Pierce autograph. Enter by simply following me on Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR. Follow at CLNS underscore LHR for free entry to win a framed Paul Pierce autograph photo. And of course, we will almost assuredly do ticket giveaways this coming season, which is now on its way. So get in now by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Sell speed on iTunes. Big, big help to send feedback to this show. It may sound like a nuisance, but it only takes 20 seconds, and it may sound trivial, but it is not. Ratings and reviews on iTunes, baby. Keep sending them in, and we will continue to grow and continue to get better for you. That is a promise. So, okay, there it is. We have unofficially officially turn the page on the NBA calendar. We can now refer to the coming 2017 NBA season as this year. Last year was now last year. This past summer was now last summer. Our early predictions and insinuations, they are now in. You certainly heard me. To reiterate, I am more excited for this season than any other Celtic season in the last 20 years, save for 2008 to 2011. Make that the theme. For episode number 171. So let's finish it off on that note. Credit time. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, DJ Joe, and Steph Legretto. Be sure to follow us on social media, our Twitter at Celtics underscore beat, and I'm at CLNS underscore LHR. Like Celtics Beat on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Extending our gratitude to Kristen Ledlow for joining this broadcast once again. Of course, we cannot thank our audience enough for listening and making this show the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast on iTunes. For our sponsors, Blue Apron and American Farmers Network, staff writer Eddie Santiago, graphic designer Taylor Otter, the founder of the network Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.